0: Your cultural competence listen to interesting stories learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them get the global perspective here at culture matters podcast on international business we help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences helping you develop your cultural competence Good morning, uh, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Welcome to the Culture Matters interview podcast. Today we have a uh, fellow country man, country woman in this case. Her name is Sigrid Kaag, or in Dutch you would pronounce this as Sigrid Kaag. And she is the United Nations Special Coordinator for Lebanon. I'm very happy that we have uh, Sigrid on the uh, on the show on the program this time. I do need to warn you to some extent though that uh, normally what we do is uh, Skype recordings back to back Skype recordings from both sides that is. But this time it is a, uh, an interview done through the over the phone which already makes the audio quality Um, somewhat less or a lot less and also somehow there is only a speakerphone available so there's also a bit of echo but i've uh, i've done my best to filter that out and to make the audio as uh, as uh, listenable as possible as audible as possible of course all right then without further ado let's get to the interview it's time for this week's guest at the culture matters podcast here's your host chris smith Good morning, secret kach, or kag, you would have pronounced this in English, right?
1: Uh, yeah, it
0: depends on the speakers, but uh, I introduced myself as Sigrid Kaag. Sigrid Kaag. And in Dutch, this would be uh, Sigrid Kaag, because we um, we both share the same nationality in term- terms of background, both being Dutch. Um, I sort of, I've revealed that already, but I'd like to hear this from you. If you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from? Where are you now? And if you can, what is your cultural frame of reference, please?
1: Um, well, my name is Sigrid uh, in Dutch, not Sigrid. So that's an interesting cultural start uh-huh. uh, in the same uh, language family. Uh, but I'm, I'm born in the Netherlands. I've, uh, I've gone through secondary school in the Netherlands. I've studied abroad American University in Cairo. I've gone to the University of Oxford for my postgraduate studies in Exeter. I worked from then onward mostly internationally between London, but also the Netherlands. I returned to my own country to join the foreign service. I've worked in Geneva, New York, Amman, Sudan, uh, Syria, been in Cyprus, Jerusalem region, and I'm now in Beirut, uh, a a multicultural city, language-wise, religion-wise, history, I would say as well. Um, And uh, I work currently for the UN. I uh, am special representative for the Secretary General with the title of Special Coordinator, but I, I am the representative for the Secretary General in Lebanon.
0: Okay, well, that, that indeed sounds impressive. Um, you uh, you actually have a, a, a Wikipedia page as well, which is uh, which is quite extensive, as well. What did you do in these on all these different locations? Can you talk us through that a little, please? Um, I uh, well,
1: I worked primarily. I worked in humanitarian development or in political uh, offices. Either you know program implementation or negotiations. It really depends. Of course, I've worked my way up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. I've um, I've not been a political appointee. I just started uh, very modestly at uh, you know at uh, in the as a junior officer in the Dutch Foreign Service. I then went international to the UN and worked in different locations in different walks of uh, of life. Okay. And currently, I'm uh, as, as I mentioned the special coordinator in Lebanon. But before, I was in Syria and Damascus. Responsible for the elimination of the country's declared chemical weapons program. Okay. So uh, there's diversity in my experience um, and opportunity, as well as, of course, uh, taking on challenges. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I can I can imagine. Is there any particular reason why you joined the United Nations?
1: Um, no, it was uh, it was partly uh, a moment in in my life. I uh, when I joined the Netherlands Foreign Service, I did so with the intent and expectation that I would stay there. Sorry, a large part of my working life, uh-huh. um, I, I then um, met my, uh, my husband and I uh, took, uh, uh, I, I left the foreign ministry with an option to return, I, I still haven't done so, I always look forward to, to doing so at, uh, whenever that would be appropriate, but uh, in the meantime I joined the UN, so it is partly what presented itself, I believe very much in the values of the UN, I think mm-hmm. that's more important response. Uh, in the charter, in making a difference for others, for uh, a more secure and peaceful world. And the UN is one of the multilateral channels to do so. Mm. Of course, it is is the Community of Nations, Um, and it's a a big organization, but with that also comes, I think, large responsibilities. So, I think everybody who joins the UN feels that, and uh, through your experience, that you hope that you do make a difference, but also that you you live up to the ideals, uh, both of the charter, the organization, and above all, the expectations and needs of the people that we are supposed to serve.
0: Mm. Um, throughout your career, you, you said you started out in uh, studying in, in the UK and in the US, if I'm not mistaken?
1: No, I studied, uh, I actually I started my studies in Utrecht, University of Utrecht in the Netherlands. I then transferred to the American University in Cairo. okay, uh, And then I went to University of Oxford for my postgraduate studies, St. Okay. Anthony's
0: College,
1: right. as well as University of Exeter okay. in the and, UK.
0: And then you spent a lot of your, at least the, the, the recent um, uh, working years, you spent in the, how would you call it, the Arab world? Is it the Maghreb? Um, uh,
1: no, uh, I worked uh, in and out, I would say, the Middle East and North Africa, but actually primarily the Levant.
0: Le Levant, uh, yes.
1: I, the, um, Israel, uh, Palestine, uh, Syria, Jordan. But in Jordan, I was responsible for the whole of the Middle East and North Africa when I was regional director for UNICEF.
0: Mm, okay. And what's what's so attractive there for you to to stick around that area?
1: Um, well, I, I studied. I didn't really study. Excuse <coughs> me. I wasn't aware. I had a Wikipedia page. It's certainly not established by me. <laughs> so I'll go. Um, but um, if you go back to that page, you'll see that I specialised in Middle East studies um, and did Arabic, and, and specialised also in politics uh, and, uh, and and history of of the region. So of course, what you study, so we tried it's good to try to have an opportunity to work in that field. Uh-huh. Uh, and I have a, I have a an interest, I have an affinity, I have uh, developed, I hope, an understanding of the issues that drive the region and the people of the region, and I have a love for the region.
0: You have a what, sorry?
1: I have a love for uh-huh. the region,
0: okay. a passion for the region. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that. I've been to, to some areas, more in the Gulf than in the, uh, in the, in the Levant. And it's, um, it, it, I think people love it or people are sort of confused by it or, or maybe just dislike it uh, uh, straight up front like that. Um, you, you also speak six languages. Does that help with uh, dealing with these cultural differences there?
1: I think any language allows you an insight or an understanding into the the background of others. uh, Language is more than just a technical tool of communication. Mm -hmm. If if you know it well enough, you listen to music, you appreciate the the written work, you you understand the narrative better. I mean, language uh, language is background.
0: Yes, language is more than words, for sure. Is there, is there, besides the fact that you indeed uh, understand the um, the the deeper meaning of certain uh, subtle communications, is there like cultural stuff that falls between the cracks still in your experience? Um. I don't know. I'm not sure if I understand your question. Well, th- th- to give you an example from my own background, I'm a Dutchman. I live in Belgium, and I live in the Dutch-speaking part of Belgium. And in Belgium, they speak speak two languages. In the north, they speak Dutch, and in the south, they speak French. So I speak in the Dutch-speaking... Um the Dutch-speaking area of, uh, of Belgium. And still, there is so, so much of a cultural difference between the Dutch and the Belgians, even though, you know, I, I do speak the language. And so there's a lot that I understand, but there's still a lot that falls between the cracks.
1: Yeah, I think that is true, but that happens also in one's own country, dependent on where you are raised, how you are raised, what you've been exposed to. Of course, the... Uh, cultural differences between societies with different histories or experiences and sometimes ethnic or religious differences, they they will be bigger. But we're also living in in a global village today. So we have more and more awareness, I think, and knowledge of how others define themselves and see themselves. So I think we have greater opportunities to bridge what will be cultural differences, but one can also focus on what unites us rather than what divides us and what differentiates us.
0: Do you think that that's a good approach um, in terms of focusing on what we have in in terms of similarities, rather than focusing on the on the differences? Isn't that isn't it where the differences are that it always hurts?
1: Well, I don't know. I can't speak for others. It's really how you. I work in a multicultural environment, uh, in the UN. Yeah. So we are really looking for the ties that bind. And with respect for the differences, uh, and not passing value or judging yes. differences, but looking for universal values, for universal rights, uh, and, and big picture issues. And then within that, everybody should be able to find their niche. I think it's. Uh, I'm not so sure about things falling between the cracks. I think what what is uh, what needs to be nurtured and understood is that we need to celebrate differences and not be scared by them. Mm.
0: That's a very good one. That's uh, that's. I'm going to write that down. Celebrate the differences rather than be scared. Um, scared of those. Um, you talk about universal values. Is what in your experience would be? Could you mention like three universal values that we would all share? Other than and this goes beyond eating, I guess, because we all eat. Well,
1: freedom of speech, uh, freedom of movement, a right of uh, expression, self-expression. Um, these universal human rights
0: okay all right okay so th- those are there's a couple, couple of, of but, but that those, those are u- those are human universal rights but they're not uh, the reality per se
1: no that's right but I'm, I'm talking about I, I mentioned this in the context of the UN that we strive to realize these universal rights for everybody uh-huh. and as I just said not everybody enjoys them far from it and actually you can see in many countries there's a regression on the progress. The access, the right to education is a right. Now, how to realize it, how to support others to get that and have a quality education so they can compete fairly with others, that they can exploit the potential they have within them. Uh, that's, uh, these are issues that, uh, that, for me, are very fundamental rights that also help build better societies, again, where culture is one of your assets, but it doesn't define you, let alone restrict you
0: okay very interesting is it is it something that you see uh happening are we converging or are we diverging in terms when it comes to cultural differences are we growing closer together actually growing apart
1: well i think that's a fairly global question Uh, i don't know on a global level how to respond to that i think um, maybe where you are in europe uh, you want to answer that question for yourself i think there. Culture is shifting. There's not a constant in culture. It mm-hmm. can be that societies so or individuals define themselves in this part of the world more and more, or again through religious identity, and that can can be divisive if it is manipulated and, and added on to a political philosophy or an extremist yep. goal. Yep. Um, in Europe, um, it can be more class based. Um, it can be socio economic con- socio economically conditioned. It really depends which, uh, the question I think is too
0: broad to respond mm. to. Okay, that's a good point. Um, okay, uh, getting back to, to, uh, to Sigrid Kaag herself, in each of the countries that you actually worked in uh, or lived in as well, what stuck in, in terms of, of your ex- our experience there? What do you still remember? That I, so something that really stuck out, that was there, that was there, and if you can, with a, with a cultural um, story behind it.
1: Um, no, I think if it stuck out, it would be as if I've lived these experiences as a tourist. It's cumulative Uh and uh, it's iterative. When you live in and out of a region, there are things that are similar or that you can handle better than when you first came uh, or you see changes in societies, but you are uh, in an age group that actually you are more and more within your own lifestyle with your own circle of friends. So maybe you are most... uh, exposed um, to the direct impact of, of different cultures when you're younger because mm-hmm. you absorb it all, it's maybe the first time you come encounter with some societies and their way of living. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get older you have, you're probably a little bit more stuck in your way, you have you stay differently, you meet different people, so I think you meet more and more people within your, your own group, I don't know, unless you're an anthropologist or we all, because you, your meetings often tend to, at the end of the day, be work-based. Mm. So, from that, you, you have the cultural exploits. I, I don't know what would uh, stick in my mind as one particular
0: experience. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, and then it, it, if you compare your own cultural background being, uh, being Dutch and, and uh, partly growing, having grown up in, in the Netherlands and your current location, which is Beirut in Lebanon, what would be the most significant cultural differences you would see there between the Dutch and the Lebanese, if you can?
1: Well, I think you should ask a Lebanese uh, that question. But, um, I mean, Lebanon is a very complex, very rich, very diverse society, uh, significantly more diverse than the Netherlands is, mm. just by virtue of its history, its, uh, its makeup, its confessional makeup, 18 uh, sects, um, a political system that is very different. So mm. it's hard to make a comparison of Lebanon with any, any other country in the Middle East to start with, let alone the Netherlands. Um, so it's uh, it's multilingual, people speak three languages on average, um, mm-hmm. different religions, a great level of tolerance in a very volatile region. So nothing compared, and yet you have uh, fabulous uh, concerts in Lebanon, fabulous art scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't actually, and yet is the wrong, exactly. And because of all this, Lebanon thrives culturally, always has done, and uh, is a hub. In many different ways, it right. produces pictures, great poets, um, and do many other countries in the Middle East. But Lebanon is outstanding in that regard and stands out.
0: Okay, that's nicely put as well. Um, if you think about, would you consider the United Nations as being a corporation, like a company, or or, or not per se?
1: Um, we are in a value based organization, uh-huh. so. If you want to say, if we, if we were to compare it, we are in the value-based business. Hmm. Not-for-profit, change the world to a better place.
0: Okay, now, so, cause I was thinking about my next question, and this might not pertain to the UN per se. Um, if, you, if you would agree with this, why do you think the cultural differences are brushed over so easily when working internationally?
1: I, I don't think that they are necessarily... I would actually not necessarily agree with your thesis. I think we, everybody who works for a long time in multicultural or international settings and organizations is acutely aware that we all come from different places. That's Mm -hmm. why I said we should celebrate differences Mm -hmm. and respect those and know that there will always be different approaches. Uh, But the more you live abroad, the more you you see also the challenges of living in a more monoculture society, Mm -hmm. which is your own country generally. But Again, uh, if you look at the United States, for instance, the United States is a country of immigration, yeah. and you find different languages, different cultures, different groupings, where there is much less this pressure on the other. And it's Europe because of its history um, and, uh, and, and 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 cultural identity, uh, and it's, le- it's you know Europe is still dealing with with the challenges of immigration. We are much more focused on the cultural aside when I think other countries are. You mm. wouldn't. This question think, would not be so relevant in a Canada and Australia, and New Zealand, or the US, for instance. Yeah. it's maybe a, a, a more Eurocentric question to ask. Mm.
0: And possibly also with the uh, with the economic shift uh, turning towards the east, that these cultural differences might be more apparent between, say, Europeans and and, and Asians. Maybe. Okay. If you just in, as, as a hypo, hypothesis, if you would um, all of a sudden need to be transferred to um, Thailand, for instance, and your office becomes Bangkok, how would you prepare for working with this Thai culture or with another culture? How would you do this?
1: That's fairly straightforward. Um, I think I would try to uh, acquaint myself partly with the language, go on a cultural uh, introduction course, mm-hmm. read, learn about the history, um, and, and and that's sort of standard for large organizations or NGOs that transfer staff.
0: Yeah, and I guess with your experience, you, you've you've done this before, so you pretty much know um, what to do or what couple of ste- steps to take.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's all in the preparation. At the end of the day, you have to learn uh, as you go and learn in the culture. But I think ultimately, um, one has to remain very interested and open to uh, to, to differentiation and, and difference.
0: Yeah, makes good sense as well. Which culture uh, was the hardest for you to adapt to?
1: I, I can't answer that. I think there's sometimes organizational culture. I mean, it depends on how you define culture. It's, uh, organizational culture can be a challenge, the culture of different societies uh, or, or countries. Um, I, I think the more you have experience, the more you know that you carry part of your own identity, mm-hmm. what you are raising with you. You try to adjust, but there's also a core of you that is retained, and that may be appropriate to some cultures and less appropriate to others. Hmm. It's always a moment in your own life. So
0: that's, that's true as well. And then the, on the other side, with which culture uh, that you haven't worked with yet, uh, but you would like to, which one would that be?
1: I, I really don't approach life in that way. I don't uh, compartmentalize culture or my own experience, um, I wouldn't see it in that way, and I certainly wouldn't uh, like to uh, uh, venture or speculate on that. Mm. Okay. I, I think life is opportunities very often the way it comes, and uh, as one gets older, one learns to uh, to, to not predict in that way, uh-huh. and, uh, and uh, be grateful also for the unexpected.
0: All right, and 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 how would you deal with the unexpected then? Well,
1: as I said, be grateful and take it in your stride. Right, take take it as it comes.
0: Yeah. Is there any particular joy that you can you can uh, point out when when uh, about uh, what it is when you work with different uh, people from different cultures?
1: You know, I I have a hard time answering these questions because I'm so much in it. This is part of my DNA. Yeah. So. Uh, for me, this is normal. This is part of my life. My children are half Dutch half Palestinian. They live in different countries study in third languages. Mm. For me, this is uh, some of these questions may be very interesting for people who do not leave their home base or their home country when you 've been abroad for so long, this is part of your uh, of your existence I think, and it 's very much about uh, my own children are probably what they call third culture children. Mm it may be a good thing to ask them that question. And on this note, I really have to ring off because I'm going to have to see a a very prominent leader in Shia Islam.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your time and uh, the insights that you've given us. And uh, have an excellent meeting there. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Secret, for taking the time. Again, like I said, um, and very busy, your schedule is indeed Um, That's why, uh, of course, she had to rush off. We had only an allotted time of 30 minutes. And, um what I also wanted to point out to you that if you like this podcast and if you like what uh, what I do when it comes to culture matters um, always forget to mention actually that there is a book that I'm uh, publishing and uh, very uh, soon I'll be publishing a second book and uh, it's a book on cultural differences, how to over- overcome cultural differences when you're doing business internationally and the other book that is going to be published anytime soon, uh, depending on of course when you listen to this will be specifically about uncertainty avoidance. Um, all there is to know It's the, the complete guide when it comes to understanding what is actually uncertainty avoidance. One of the, um, uh, the most misunderstood and um, if you want to hidden cultural dimensions when it comes to cultural differences. If you're interested in any of those, uh, those books, go to culturematters.com slash ebook, culturematters.com slash ebook. That's it for this episode of the Culture Matters podcast. I'll be back in two weeks time with, of course, another interesting guest. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.